Okay, real quick, if you're a business owner that wants to stand out in the market and expand your custom base, I'd love to send you a copy of my free ebook. Visit our website at danielleclark.uk to get your copy now or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. I'm your host, Danielle Clark, and today we have another special guest. Um, We have Kingsley. Kingsley is founder and creative director at Kingle. And Kingle is a creative agency that's based in Birmingham. And they're a collective of creative thinkers and doers from advertising, branding, design and digital. So welcome to the show, Kingsley. Thank you. That was perfect. Danielle, I think you did that better than I could. (laughs) You need to help me, I think. (laughs) I've had to do this quite a few times now. So I suppose I've got I've got all right at doing it. Thank you so much for jumping on the show and, and talking to us today. Really excited to dive into the, into today's episode. For for those listening, me and Kingsley, we first came in contact whilst lecturing at BCU. I think that's right, isn't it, Kingsley? Definitely. And we definitely share, obviously, this this huge passion for anything design and branding and advertising related. So it absolutely made sense for for us to have a conversation about branding. So yeah, Kingsley, it's really great to have you here. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Kingle? And there's lots and lots of creative agencies out there, right? But what would you say also sets you apart from others that are in your field? Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me on. It's it's really nice to to join you. I think listening to some of your uh, podcast stuff, Danielle, you know, I think, like you said, I think we share very similar values. Um, I'm I'm passionate about kind of nurturing creativity um, at all levels, um, as I as I know you are, and I think that probably segues quite nicely into what we do and who we are as a business. So, as you uh, very eloquently uh, put, we're a, a creative agency. In a nutshell, I suppose we specialise in helping clients stand out i mean i think like you say there's lots of different businesses out there there's lots of different branding agencies creative agencies and i suppose in a nutshell we probably all do very similar things but i suppose each different business has their own kind of specialist area you know we don't specialize in a particular sector but i think what we tend to do really well is we work with large corporate businesses so we help large kind of corporate businesses large corporate brands stand out so that can be anything from a um, a, a particular campaign or a particular product or it may be internal branding where they want to kind of communicate and talk talk about their brand but essentially it all starts in in in, in my mind with that kind of core insight you know we want to understand from the brand what is that one thing that's going to make them stand out? And sometimes I know you do, 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 do a lot of workshop with your clients. That's often the challenge, isn't it? It's about giving them yeah. a structure to find what is that one thing that makes them stand out. And then I suppose our job as creatives is to take that one thing 
and turn it into something that's going to arrest the viewer, that's going to make the audience go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what really gets me excited. It's, find, it's trying to find that little insight, find that little thing, and then turn it into something really attention-grabbing. Yeah. When, when I'm working with clients and I ask that question, you know, like you said, you just touched on the brand strategy workshops that, that I do for them. Often they're like, oh, we don't know, or, well nothing really and and there's this fear that because they're in the same market doing something very similar to to someone else that they don't think that there's anything particularly special or unique about them but there always is there always is because from whether it's the founder the people that make up the team the the life that they've had their experiences, their viewpoints, their personality, all of that plays a part in the way that they conduct business and the way that they get results. So when when you start with it like that, like everybody's got something that's different. And like you say, it's about having the right people around you that can help you unpick and uncover that and use that as a way to, to attract the attention of the right people. And it's not an easy thing to find. You know, I think that's why it's so important to have, I suppose, specialists. And a lot of the time, it's almost like therapy session. You know, there's almost <laughs> like a level of therapy to it, isn't there? You know, yeah. they, they kind of talk through their problems and they talk through their challenges and they talk about their, you know, the competitors or they talk about the things that they're not doing or they want to be doing. And often it can be quite an inspiring process because you're almost giving them this opportunity to think, you know, what do you want to be? What do you, you know, where do you want to be in, say, 12 months, three years, five years? And that's always a really exciting process. And I think, you know, I, I really enjoy that. And, I'm, you know, I'm sure you, you, you do too. It's kind of digging into that and finding that little nugget. But it is a process. And I think actually it's like anything, you know, I think if you have a particular process that you can walk people through, you almost lead them to it. You help them find that solution. But ultimately, it does take that experience, doesn't it, to know where to look. And they may say little things that they don't think about. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. We did a, uh, we've did. we got a, a client uh, based out in, in, in Dubai. Um, and we did a brand workshop with them, a company called um, FP. And it was all about just getting all of their kind of stakeholders and their directors together to find, um, you know, this one thing that made them different. And the one thing that they kept saying was, we just get shit done. You know, we're, as, as much as they were uh, they're a really professional corporate business, they really knew their stuff. But they had this phrase of, we just, we just get shit done. And, you know, that's why people come to us. And I think we ended up turning that positioning into a we get underscore underscore it done and that became their their kind of whole their whole positioning but it was so simple and it just encompassed what they do as a business you know there was obviously all the corporate skill sets outside of that but they themselves were saying it and it became such a natural way of reflecting their mindset their approach and their professionalism yeah and that's the thing from it's the same it's always the same story that the the final thing looks simple. It feels like it's it was easy to get there. It seems really obvious, but until unless you go through that process, unless you know the the right questions to ask, and, and unless you're able to pay attention to the the things that are repeated and the things that are valuable, it's really hard to find that. But I love that story. That's awesome. 
I'm quite intrigued by your journey. I've spoken to a, a lot of business owners that started the business solo, you know, solopreneur, um, one man, one woman bands, and some of them have kept it that way and others have grown. And um, your journey, I think, is super interesting because you started as this one person freelancer and now you're an eight person agency. Um, there must have been some significant challenges that you faced during this transition, especially when it it comes to, you know, knowing how to hire and knowing knowing who who to hire and um, when the right time is and and having this team dynamic then as as opposed to one person how has that journey been so it's it's been an exciting one i think um like you say so it all started probably um seven eight well, eight years ago now um i was working for another agency in, in birmingham and i was kind of heading up their creative team um and i, I really enjoyed that i grew you know i grew a lot there but I got to the point where I was just like, you know, I kind of, I want to do this for myself. So I jumped ship. I set up as a freelancer. So essentially to begin with, I was a freelance art director. I had a freelance copywriter partner, Nigel, um, and we teamed up. So we did the kind of standard, you know, going to agencies, freelance, normal kind of freelance day rate. But I think I always had my eyes on my own client base. Um, and I knew that I wanted to, have my own client base but I never really knew I wanted to create my own agency so the first opportunity really came from um, a company that I'd been kind of talking to NFU Mutual so NFU Mutual an insurance company and I knew their marketing director from or marketing uh, manager from from previous life and she came to me and said look we've got an opportunity do you want to pitch for it so I was straight on that you know it was kind of like it was almost like this is the thing that I've been hoping for um, so we we, we went in and I think, you know, at that stage, obviously it, I pitched it. There was Nigel and I, you know, we would do everything. You know, we came up with the creative ideas. We would do the the, the design, the copywriting, um, yeah, all the account management. And we won it. And I think that for me was probably the first step into uh, kind of agency, I suppose, agents having my own direct clients. But from that stage on, you know, it became a very different beast from being a freelancer to a um uh, an agency owner and I remember the first year um, uh, I suppose of having the the agency the agency I sat down with my wife my wife kind of you know she 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 works for herself she's a consultant she she's very good with kind of managing budgets because she works with the NHS she's a consultant for the NHS and I looked at the books with her and she said to me looking at the hours that you've worked this year and what you've earned this year you might as well have gone and worked in a shop it was horrendous. I think I worked out that my, and I could have made this up, but I think my hourly rate ended up working out at something like £3.23 for the hours that I was working. And that was a massive wake-up call for me in that I realised a few things. I think, firstly, and it sounds so obvious now, but moving from a kind of a, a freelance perspective where you go in and you do part of the job to a agency kind of model where you're doing the account management you're doing all the creative you're doing the design you're doing the proofing you know you're doing the full stage I wasn't I was quoting we were quoting for the creative time but we weren't quoting for any of the account management time and thinking about now that just sounds so ridiculous but actually if you think about the job 100% of the time I was quoting for the creative time so it might take us four days to do the creative job 
actually what I was doing is I'm sure, you know, you're the same as a creative individual, you get really passionate. I might've ended up doing six days on that, but then probably 30% of that was account management and I wasn't quoting and adding any of that on and the proofing. So actually immediately you've got this job that I'm quoting for four days. It's actually taking me probably 10 days worth of time. And I was just making no money at all. So I had to completely rethink how I priced myself and how I structured that. Pricing. I hear it all the time. There's another uh, episode where I speak to a lady. Her name's Arlene. She started her own business called Roots to Fruits. And it's all about financial management and budgeting and everything. And I talked about this, that most people that I've come into contact with, especially in the creative agency, we're not very good when it comes to the money and the finances side, whether that's managing it, talking about it, knowing how to price ourselves, um, understanding how to quote, understanding, you know, our, how to how to manage hours and track that and managing project creep and all of that. So I think I think it's so important and I think it's really good that you have shared that because often I think people see where you're at now and don't necessarily believe that at one point you were in a position where you were technically only earning £3 an hour. I remember starting out and charging like 30 quid to design. It was like a leaflet thing. And it probably took me about a day <laughs> to do. <laughs> um, when you look at it like that, you think, wow, it's 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 absurd. But But this doesn't come unless you learn through the doing, right? definitely and i think the other thing you know i see i see and working with a lot of designers they undervalue what they're giving a business you know i think just you know very often something that a lot of the creative agencies and i know we 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 had the challenge with initially is clients can often think that ideas are just you know they're just ideas everybody can have them but ideas take time and what what you're buying is you're not actually buying just an idea that I was sitting on the toilet I had and wrote on a piece of paper. Actually, what you're buying is my time and all the experience and my judgment and um, all the background hours and hours of looking at other campaigns and knowing what's good and what's not, what's appropriate. And I think very often designers specifically, I think they, because they just see it as a product, they don't often realize the value that that product is bringing to a business. You know, as a brand, if you invest in in creating a really high quality brand that costs you money, your return on that is by the fact that it elevates your brand and you can charge more. But I think often, you know, the designers, they almost they that they can sort of or we can see that we're just part of one one little bit of that and actually not realizing the value that that's bringing to that company yeah absolutely there was a story about picasso i'm probably not doing this story justice but it was something along the lines of when he was at a cafe and someone spotted him and asked him to to do some artwork for them um and he drew like a scribble on a napkin and then said, oh, I don't know, that'll be 50,000 or whatever. And they were like, what? Like, it's just, it's taking you a few, a few seconds to scribble that. And he said, but no, you're not, you're not paying for that. You're paying for the years of practice, training, 
um, everything I've invested in myself, uh, my skills. That's it's not just that moment in time that you're paying for. You're paying for everything else that's come come before. So I think that's really really valuable. And I th- um, and I think it goes back to just what you were saying, uh, Daniel, about the um, the monetary side of things. You know, I think what I wasn't doing is I wasn't charging for those uh, for that account management time and that experience that was bringing to the calls. And I think one of the biggest learnings for me is anybody, I suppose, that wants to move from a freelance uh, setup to a more agency base is is two is two things. Firstly, I think in in making sure that you are charging for that account management time, that account management time is really valuable. Good account management time is as good as the creative because that's about the service. You know, the the design is the product. The account management is the service. And they're both really valuable. I think the second thing that I learned was the pricing structure. You know, there's a there's a big difference between a freelancer's day rate and an agency's day rate. You know, I think they're almost double, you know, and I think that the, the reason that they're double is because essentially once you move to a position where you're able to charge agency rates, what you're doing is you're creating margins in the job. And as soon as you've got margins in the job, you're able to then bring in designers and other talents. So what I what I kind of realized was actually I need to be charging more so I can bring I can employ a designer, which frees me up to then go and get new business and grow, grow the business. And then when I land another client that brings on more, you know, more potential uh, money into the business, I can bring on another individual and then it kind of grows like that. But the challenge you face with that is if you're you've got a client who you're charging uh, agent you're charging freelance rates to and then you double it overnight you're not going to have happy clients in fact you're not going to have any clients (laughs) so I think that that is another challenge that I think takes time to overcome but it's it's almost having that mindset I think for me it was about having this mindset of completely changing the pricing structure the value and um, making sure that the, the costing and the quoting was as accurate as it could be. Yeah, really, really good advice. Again, I love, I love the, you know, your transparency about that. I think it's, I think it's really important, especially for people at the beginning of their, their journey, as well as you know, graduates and and people that aren't aren't really sure because not a lot of people talk about that side of things. No, I, th- um, I think I think the, the the freelance thing for me is something that I think the training around how much to charge I get you know when I speak to the students I get a lot of students ask me how much should I charge for a, for a day and I think that is a tricky question you know I, I think for me you know if you're looking at freelance I don't think students can charge uh, the same as a what they can't as a, as a freelance designer because they don't have that experience but you can still set yourself a day rate that you think is a is a fair and valuable day rate and then you work out the job it's going to take me three days to do the job I'm going to charge myself out at x x amount per day so this is going to give you your figure but it's yeah. that just even the simplicity of that that I hear, hear a lot of students and they're just not comfortable or feel that confident enough to to to, to say that and mm. um, it is a whole different skill set I think you know understanding the financial and the commercial side of things if you want to freelance, even if you want, you know, if you or if you want to build your own business, it's almost you've got to have a well-crafted, experienced product, but you've got to have a really good grip on the numbers. It's invaluable. If you haven't, if you've got a great product and no, you know, no grip on the numbers, you're not going to earn a living. 
you're going to sit in your bedroom and you're going to, you know, you might design some stuff, but you're not going to be able to pay the bills. Equally, if you know all about the numbers, but you haven't got a product, what have you got to sell? You've got to have, for me, you've got to have the, the balance and that experience of, of how to position both. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I hear that word a lot, balance, and it's it's difficult. And balancing work and personal life, especially in a creative, creative field, the branded industry can be extremely challenging because, as you say, it's if you're coming up with an idea or you're running a strategy session, yes, you're a lot, you'll a lot specific time for it. But you could come to the answer in two hours. You could come to the answer in, in two weeks, just depending on what's going on. It's not a, I'm going to switch that button or press that and I'm going to have the idea. It's It takes time. And so balancing work and personal life it can be really challenging. It sounds like hopefully you've got more of a balance now. But how do you manage and, and maintain this balance, this equilibrium, ensuring that you remain energised, your team remains energised so that you are able to to give the right output? That's such a good question. And I think, you know, it's kind of, for me, the sort of the, the, the million dollar question, isn't it? You know, I, I personally bang on a lot about balance. I think the reason that I set this business up originally, I mean, I'm not a money person. It was never really about making loads of money. For me, it was initially about balance. I had my second son and I thought, you know, I can do this a different way. You know, I don't necessarily want to be leaving the house at 7.30 and getting back at 7.30 every day. I can do this differently. I I know I can create a work-life balance where I can do the job I enjoy and work hard, but, you know, be at home and, and spend time with my kids. And I think it's something for me as a business, I talk about a lot. I mean, I think uh, th- there are sort of four key kind of areas for me in sort of creating that, that sort of work-life balance. I think, and I'll, maybe I can go into each one of them, but, you know, I think the first one for me is about sort of being part of a, 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 an active community. You know, I think something that I try and encourage as a business is for us all individually to be involved in a form of community. Now, we're based in the jewellery quarter um, in the Joint Works. And the reason that I chose that was because the Birmingham Design Festival is based from there. So you've got Dan and Luke who sit in there, who do do amazing stuff for the, uh, you know, the Birmingham community. You know, I think we, we sponsored them this year. I think, you know, we try and go to the events whenever we can. What they're doing for Birmingham's design community, I think is brilliant. So, I wanted the team to be around that. And because we're a, you know, a remote team, we only get together once or twice a week. We kind of, that's where we base ourselves from. And I think for me, one of the main pillars of, of, of kind of finding that balance is knowing that you're part of something that you can turn to. So if say there's a problem, you know, and you, you feel like you're part of a community, you've got people around you. That community doesn't necessarily have to be an external thing. It can be an internal thing. But I think having community in your business is so important because it feels like as a designer, as a creative, as an account manager, if you're struggling with stuff, you've got people that you can turn to. I mean, I think that the second part for me is about um, kind of a healthy environment. I think it's really, really important that um, like trust for me is something that I think a lot of uh, businesses struggle with um, you know I think um, because people are working from home a lot now you know you, you, you there is a, a feeling that you know if you're not sitting working or you're not on slack or you're not sending messages that you know you're not working and I think I for me I'm I, at the moment is something that we do c- kind of continually I, I really want to give the team 
authority and space because I trust them. We're only a team of, we're a small team, a team of eight. So trust is in, is so important in that process because if an individual doesn't feel that they're trusted, they're going to feel like they're continually tied to their computer. But I'm very open with them. You know, I, I kind of feel that I don't really care when they work. You know, I think if they work at six o'clock in the morning and stop at three o'clock in the afternoon or they like to work a little bit later, for me, as long as the job is done and I can trust them, that I think is, for me, is, 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 is a really important part of that balance because you can go and pick your kids up. You know, we've got a senior, you know, at a senior director level, all four of us. So there's um, uh, myself, Amy, Ed and Gareth. We all have kids. So... I trust that they're doing what they say they're going to do. They can pick their kids up, drop their kids off, go to football meetings. I'll do exactly the same. And that's really important, I think, from a balanced perspective, because it feels like your life and your work can be intertwined. It's not you have to sit here till that amount of time and then you live your life. I think that's archaic. I don't think that 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 and very old fashioned anymore. So old fashioned, you know, things have changed. People have different roles within the home, outside the, ho- the home. People want to be around for family. People want, like, that balance, don't they? It's not. It's the traditional nine to five. It doesn't allow for much life outside of that. And I think especially since COVID as well, people have really started to see the benefit of having that balance, of being able to have that flexibility if you want to get outside in nature in the morning, if you want to be there for your kids, for football, for parents' evening, extracurricular activities, whatever, being able to do that. Or even just the the, the normal stuff, like you've got an appointment. You know, I remember I remember working for an agency and having to you know, having to speak to my boss because I needed to go to the dentist and then needing to book off half a day. And it was, it was ridiculous. A big part of that, like you were just saying, going for, going for a walk in the park is, you know, is downtime, I think. But, you know, it's so important that as creatives, we have downtime, we're able to kind of switch off. And, you know, I, I think for me, I'm, I'm really interested in the psychology of, of, of how the creative mind works. I read kind of lots of books and, and, and things about it. And I think, one of the key things that a lot of these sort of books talk about is um, burnout comes from continually being swept, you know, switched on. You know, we're always kind of on Slack, you know, we're always on Teams, you know, and it's so important that we learn and we create a structure and we create boundaries where we can switch off. You know, I think for me personally, my best ideas come from not when I'm sitting at my Mac and trying to come up with ideas, it's when I've switched off. I've digested everything I need to digest and then I go and take the dog for a walk, you know, or I pick the kids up, you know, I'm, you know scrib- might be scribbling on my notes. So I do, you know, s- silly things about kind of recording in voice recordings. That downtime is so important because not only does it, like you say, help you with your work-life balance, but it energizes you for when you do come back. I think if you're constantly on and constantly coming, having to come up with ideas, you're just going to get complete, complete burnout. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? We hear, we hear about this all the time, burnout. I'm I'm hearing that word constantly at the moment, but it is it is a thing, and it and it is real. And I think if you were to speak to people that are much much older about what they wished they did during their 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 working years, you know, whilst whilst in retirement, 
it's not, oh, I wish I'd worked more. <laughs> it's always, I wish I'd done the things that I really wanted to do. I wish I'd enjoyed myself more. I wish I'd spent more time with my family, friends, etc. It's never, it's never, I wish I'd worked more. So I think that's a, a really, a really important message. And that being said, I think it's important to, to work hard, but likewise, it's about getting that balance. If you work hard, you also need to try and, and rest and, and enjoy yourself as well. And, and, not see rest as a reward for working hard, but see it as something that is essential and that as human beings we need. Mm. I, th- I think I think avoiding burnout for me for me a big part of that as well is about communication. You know, I think if you've got a, a, a team around you or people that you can turn to that you can talk to, you know, I think stress and pressure is is inevitable in our industry. You know, I think where it's a deadline based industry, so. You're never going to get, you know, I hear a lot of talks about sort of people saying, you know, I don't feel stressed or I'm get, trying to get rid of stress. I, I, personally, I think stress is a good thing. I think as long as it's not chronic stress, you know, I think stress focuses the mind, you know, it kind of puts you under a bit of pressure. And it, but it's as long as that that doesn't continue. And I think for me, you know, we've been talking about it recently in, in the businesses. If you feel that you've got people you can turn to and talk to about the pressure and the stress you're under and they are there and they genuinely care that you know you are, are okay that for me has a massive impact on the psychology of that stress if you feel you've got people you can turn to and that you're not on your own and that you're you're you know you can you can rely on others and that you are being supported that for me is a major part of helping reduce that stress level because immediately you know you feel like you're part of something you feel like you can turn to to, to others you don't feel like you're on your own i think for me the burnout always came from um, not feeling I could kind of turn to anyone. I mean, I've, I've, I've personally experienced burnout. Okay. A few years back, I had a, um, you know, had a bit of a sort of, um, I didn't realise we'd end up going down this path, but, you know. Um, I, I had it's up a, to a, you. You don't have to yeah. if you don't want to. It's entirely no, up to you, Kingsley. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing to talk about, but I was under, you know, a lot of pressure and stress. And I think it... It was one of those things where, you know, I remember sort of having this horrible kind of overwhelming feeling where my brain, I just couldn't think. I literally could not think. I had all these sort of bombarding messages, these these pressures, these stress, these deadlines. And I I literally, I remember standing in, in, in the office, it was late at night, and I just... I just couldn't function. It was like something had just switched off in my mm. mind and it was such a frightening experience. Mm. Looking back now, it was burnout. You know, I'd got to the point of burnout and I had to take sort of three weeks off holiday. Um, and from that time, I kind of recovered and I, you know, I, 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 I kind of looked at what the problem was. And I think that was probably a bit of a catalyst as well for me to, 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 to learn about my mind and to learn about the importance of coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, everybody... Everybody feels stress. Everybody feels pressure. Everybody has a level of anxiety. But I think it's about learning how to manage and create coping mechanisms for yourself to deal with that pressure and stress. Yeah, Um, totally. So so now I've spent probably five, six years of knowing about my body, understanding my mind and noticing when I'm getting to that level where it's unmanageable. 
Yeah, and I think that's so important. I I was having this conversation with my nutritionist last week and although she's a nutritionist, that isn't the main thing that she focuses on. The, The first thing she'll focus on is the individual in terms of, okay, so stress levels impact the gut. The majority of your immune system is in the gut. So if you're stressed, you're going to have gut problems, which then impacts how well you're absorbing, you know, nutrition and minerals and vitamins from your food. So it's all about protecting yourself and having a really, really good foundation in terms of all the basics, sleeping well, staying hydrated, paying attention to yourself, you know, checking in, how are you feeling physically, how are you feeling emotionally and topping up, doing the things that that fill you up, whether that's spending time with family, hobbies, being in nature, playing your favourite game, whatever, and ensuring that that is a part of your routine, not just work. Mm, I, th- I think that you know that that that's almost the fourth pillar of you know f- for me this you know creating creative health and it's about nourishment like you say I think actually how you nourish your mind and your body are just so important you know I, I've learned about myself that I'm quite high energy you know so I don't really need caffeine you know I think <laughs> if I drink caffeine if I have a cup of coffee you know I'm bouncing off the walls yeah. and I think you know I've learned that actually because I am prone to feeling anxious about things. I, if I know that I've got deadlines or if I know that I'm under pressure, I will reduce my caffeine intake massively mm. with sugar as well. I know it sounds silly, but I, I've noticed that all. sugar yeah. elevates my, my heart rate mm. and you know stops my focus. So again, if I've got a, a, a focus deadline or there's a, an element of I'm under pressure, I know that I need to reduce my, my sugar intake. And it's the same with exercise. The one thing that I think has helped reduce my stress levels, reduce my anxiety levels, is my commitment and and continued commitment to exercise. I know that you're big on exercise as well. You yeah. know, I think it makes a massive difference, doesn't it, to your well-being, huge, your mindset, your clarity. Huge difference. Huge difference. It's like night and day. For example, I, as you know, I, I play hockey and I also uh, I go swimming every Friday I'm not a very strong swimmer, so I set myself a, I suppose you could call it a New Year's resolution in January to to start swimming lessons, and I have. Um, and I've been going pretty much every Friday since January, and that's going really, really well. But sometimes I don't feel like going, especially as the weather is changing and you're cosy and warm inside and you've got to get the car keys and step outside into the drizzle. <laughs> it's painful isn't it it can be you do but I always whether it's after hockey training whether it's after swimming whether it's after going for a walk I always feel so much better and my mind is always much much clearer so like you say that client work you return to it with that fresh perspective and you feel energized and you're able to do better work Definitely. I mean, energy, I think energy for me is is the key to good creativity. And I think, you know, if you don't, if you don't find the ways to energize yourself, ultimately, your 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 product will, you know, your product will uh, suffer. Because mm. I think, you know, I, I know it sounds silly, but I was I think back now, to the late pitch nights that we used to do, you know, in, in the previous life when we was an agency, and we'd 
stuff ourselves with pizza. And I think, I, you know, I look at now how I respond to pizza and the effect that it has on my mind, on my energy levels. You know, I would never do that now because I'm so aware of like the fats in the food, yeah. how it slows my digestion down, how it affects my gut, mm. how it affects my energy levels. It's just crazy. But yeah. I think actually it takes a lot of, like you were just saying, being aware of what n- nutrition how it affects you, you know, how, how you, everybody's different. I think, uh, I don't know, I, I read a lot about kind of Tim Spector's stuff, you know, the, the Zoe, the Zoe app. Yeah. How he's doing all of that. And he talks a lot about the, you know, the gut and the, the microbiome. And he talks a lot about how nutrition is different for everybody. And I think having that understanding for me has made a big difference to how I focus and how well I work. I mean, I work really well in the morning. I don't really work very well in the evening. So if I'm going to be, if I'm busy, I will get up early in the morning. Like this morning, I got up at six o'clock and I worked for a couple of hours before the boys got up. I'll be shattered by three o'clock and probably won't really do anything mm. after about three, four o'clock. But that's what I, I've learned that that's when I'm at my highest energy. Yeah. I've got the space to focus. Um, and I know that, that, you know, towards the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just shot. Mm, yeah. And it's good to, to have that self-awareness but it does come through trial and and experimentation and and just doing the doing and paying attention so obviously you've got the king or brand which you you have built with you with your business partners but there's something else that's going on as well off the back of kingle which is kingle education which sounds really fascinating so could you tell us a little bit about that. I'm I'm curious to know how that's come about, how that's going to impact the Kingle brand as, as it stands, and and what your plans are for it. So as a business, we kind of position our, our in. You know, we were talking about positioning statements earlier on. It's taken us a while to get to ours, but our our, our uh, positioning statement is um, inspiring creativity. So we hang everything on that. So. As a business, you know, we, we believe that, you know, inspiring creativity isn't just about the end product. It's about inspiring creativity in the client, in our, um, you know, in the brands we work with at every stage. That might be the initial um, workshop. That might be, you know, research. That might be in a channel plan strategy. It's about inspiring creativity in every stage. But from an internal perspective, it's kind of twofold. You know, I think inspiring creativity for me is about working with inspiring creatives but it's also about nurturing the next kind of generation of of creatives so we set up this thing called kingle education and i think it's kind of come for me from the fact that obviously where we met at at bcu with the lecturing i love lecturing you know i love being around students you know i think for me i know we were talking about energy earlier on but there's an energy and there's an enthusiasm that they bring that is infectious yeah you know when when you get to our age I mean I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm speaking for you but you there's a level of like you know you've kind of been around the you've block been, you've seen been all, battered a little bit battered and exactly. bruised <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, you know they come with these fresh ideas yeah. don't they? and this yeah. energy and I think it's really energizing but I do see that you know there are a lot of areas that as creative professionals that we can give them insights into that they don't necessarily get within the universities because universities are often think are very focused on the craft as they should be Mm. but you know i think there are elements where as creative professionals we can give them we can give them um insights so what we've done is we've set up kingle education um 
which essentially is just materials, um, videos of, of our kind of insights into working in the business. So, for example, I think we created a video uh, a couple of weeks back, which was about, um, I think it was like six tips for getting in front of um, somebody you want to get in front of. So as a student, you know, they always, they come to the end of the year and they think, right, I've got my degree, I've got my first class degree how the hell do I get in front of a creative director? Mm. You know, and it was it was offering little tips like that. So I think just off the top of my head, I was kind of said to them, you know, use the power of three, you know, and this power of three essentially comes from a sales strategy. You know, sales is all about, you know, introduce yourself, follow up, follow up again. Um, and I kind of, I was saying to them, that, you know, if you think about the fact that you're contacting people that are very busy. You know, you, just because you don't get a response from that email doesn't mean they're not interested. So you need to follow it up again. And just because you don't get a response from the second email, follow it up a third time. You know, you need to find a hook. You're not just pestering, but it's okay to follow up two or three times. And I think silly little things like that, that actually as creative individuals or, or, or professionals, we take for granted, but that they just, you know, that they wouldn't have that understanding of yeah I think that's really interesting that's the thing though as you as you grow and you acquire this knowledge as you acquire this information I've I've not been in business for as long as you I'm it was three years last month when I think about just those three years I've learned so much that actually at the start of my journey I had absolutely no idea but now because I'm three years in some of it just seems so obvious where actually there's a lot of valuable things I've learned that I've probably kind of forgotten or I've I've kind of discounted now because I've learned it and now it's become second nature so I, I think that's really really useful and interesting because they are at the start of their journey and I think any any knowledge any advice we can give that might feel obvious to them it's not because they're they are where they are yeah I, th I think things like presenting as well you know I, I I often say to say to the creatives that doing the the dot job and creating the thing whatever that is is only half is only half the job the other half is selling it you know I think when you're working in an agency I don't mean about selling it financially I mean selling it into the team that you're working with and very often learning to present and sell your ideas in in the best way possible that is half the job and yeah. learning those presentation techniques and learning those little tips and tricks like I could talk a lot I think I talked about in one of the presentations breathing you know like I hear a lot of the the the, the students they talk really fastly and they're trying to get as much as they yeah. can out and yeah. you know but what, what you need to do is if you slow your breath down and you slow how you're talking actually what that does is that engages the person you're talking to they're able to digest what you're saying mm -hmm. and it gets your idea across and it's little kind of tweaks to, to those that can make a massive difference when you're selling selling your work and it's all stuff that we know but very often like you say we don't we don't actually communicate it and I think I don't know if you find it but that's why I love teaching because actually it forces you to think about your process and then articulate your process and sometimes I say stuff and I think I didn't even know I knew that. Yeah. It's just kind of come from the fact that I'm just sort of talking about it, but it's something that I've taken for granted. And actually, you know, I would, I suppose I would encourage anybody to, to try and do a level of teaching in some way, because you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it feels like you're kind of giving something back. It's not just about making the money. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you do, it's it's not a one-way thing teaching at all. I learn so much from the students and it's the same when I work with, with business owners. Yeah, I know what I know about branding and, and um, you know, building brands and thinking strategically and all of that. But they also really know their business. And so as much as I'm there to to help them and guide them and and ask the right questions to get out the right information you know I I will also learn a lot because they're a business owner and they've they've got a particular set of skills and knowledge about a particular industry that maybe I don't really know about and it's it's the same with the students they're perspective on the world is different not just because of their age but because of the the kind of interaction they've had with the world in terms of you know technology and social media and all of those things so so they think differently and they have a different perspective on things and and I get just as inspired and I'm always I'm always listening and looking for those opportunities to learn something as well as as well as giving that out and and I think that's the thing with with teaching or facilitating it is it is a two-way thing Definitely, and I, I mean, we were at um, BCU this week. Actually, we did uh, a, a session with I think it was the digital marketing course. And one of the things I was kind of saying to them is that <clears throat> when you come out of university, you, you know, you might have a craft, but actually, you don't really know anything about the industry. And as creative directors, business owners, I'm not looking for them to come into the business and know everything about everything. What I'm looking for them to come into the business with is passion on ideas. You know, ultimately, we want them in the business because they should have their finger well and truly on the pulse. You know, they are the generation where they live and breathe it. You know, if you're passionate about your sector, you'll be living and breathing it. And, you know, I always say to them, the one thing that you've got to kind of bring to those interviews or those opportunities is energy and passion. If you bring that energy and passion, it's infectious, you know, creative directors and seniors will be drawn to them because it's like, Oh, you know, they've, they've got loads of ideas. They've got passion. They've got energy. You know, we're a bit older, you know, we're a bit more kind of long in the tooth. And I think actually it's a bit harder to, 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 to create that, but what they bring and what they should be bringing is that fire. Um, and, you know, not all of them have it, but, you know, the ones that do have it, they're the ones that you can see it a mile off. They, yeah. they live and breathe it. Yeah, you can you can always tell. You can always tell. You can always see it. So looking into the future then, what excites you the most about the creative landscape where, where creative and branded and advertising is going? And how do you envision the way in which Kingle is going to help to shape that future of creative branding? It's an interesting question. I think it, for me, it comes down to how I perceive success. I've been thinking quite a lot about what is success recently. You know, we had our best year last year. You know, we've grown um, to a, a good size uh, business. Um, we're, we're, we're a team of eight. I think there's probably two things for me that I am focused on for, for, for the year ahead. I think... One is I really want to be involved in the Birmingham uh, creative scene. I want to help Birmingham elevate as a creative city. You know, I think we've recently joined the the Chamber of, of, of Commerce and I think there's a lot of businesses that do a lot of creative things. Accountants, you know, architects. Um, there are a lot of small and large businesses that are doing really innovative, creative things. And I really want us to grow the city 
so that people look at us like a Manchester, like London, like Bristol. You know, we've got some amazing talent here. And at the moment, you know, as I say, as we talked about earlier on, Birmingham Design Festival doing an amazing job in that. I do think that there is a business side that could be shouted about more around the creativity that's going into into business. That for me is probably the big the big view for, for for the year ahead. But as a business, I think for me, what I want to focus on and, and what for me is going to be a sign of success is that in this time at this time next year, if we have grown slightly, you know, I'm not about kind of hard growth. You know, I think it's got to be about sustainable growth. But we've managed to keep a healthy balance i personally have been able to create a healthy balance within my work life and my home life that to me is what a success is success isn't about money it's never been about money i'm not really massive into awards either we we, you know we enter some awards and we win awards but for me actually success is in creating healthy balance for the team um and uh for uh, ourselves individually amazing that sounds super exciting and yeah I I fully support you in terms of like the Birmingham scene like I love it when I'm around and people ask about my accent we're like where are you from and I'm from Birmingham and you know I'm super proud to be from Birmingham and I think like you say there's so much talent in terms of the creatives but also in terms of you know, the businesses and, and the industries and the things that are going on in Birmingham. So, so just to add one more thing to that, some of the yeah. businesses that you've been talking to in your podcast, they're doing some amazing yeah. things, you know, really inspiring. I won't highlight any in, in particular, but there's a few that I can think of that, you you know, you've kind of interviewed and they're doing some brilliant stuff, really yeah. inspiring work, you know. And, and I think it's for us as creative leaders, you know, a, a, any size business, to I think work together you know I do often feel that there's competition between agencies which is great but I think when we work together we can also achieve a lot so I think this is why your podcast is brilliant you know I think you're doing a really great job for elevating the innovation and the the new approaches that businesses are taking so it was you know it's been a pleasure to, to to be involved in it so thank you for having me well thank you so much for talking to us today kingsley i think yeah it's it's been really really interesting really insightful and i think just really share your passion for wanting to continue to inspire creativity so thanks for being here today pleasure thank you for having me Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tuning into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. You want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a shout out. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.